Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Oh, Brian, what have you done now? Oh, Brian, what have you done now? now, now? Doc! 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 Okay, relax, Doc. It's me. It's me. It's Martin. Oh, I can't be. Just sent you back to the future. Yeah. Oh, I know you did send me back to the future, but I'm back. I'm back from the future. Wait. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast, the only podcast looking back in time. It's the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore, and this week on the podcast, we have a very, very special guest. First off, though, I hope you enjoyed last week's live from Hill Valley. It's Saturday night. We had fun having Mikey Day from Saturday Night Live on last week on Back to the Future, the podcast, talking about his um, his love for the franchise, meeting Steven Spielberg, a lot of really cool stuff that he um, that he went into, and we talked about some of his favorite, you know, behind the scenes information or what have you about the films, and he was a really cool guy, and and I'm glad that we got Mikey on this week. We have somebody who's in Back to the Future too, as well played an interesting role in Back to the Future: The Ride. This is a woman who I've written about in my book, Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told, available on Amazon.com, Walmart, Target, um, Barnes & Noble. If you go to Barnes & Noble, you can see if it's in your local store. I know pretty much every major city in California, it's in there. Uh, Miami, New York, Chicago, you can find the book in Barnes & Noble stores if they're open right now in your area. So definitely go do that. Show some love and post a picture. Tweet me. I'd love to see it. But Darlene Vogel joins us on Back to the Future, the podcast this week. She talks about her role in Back to the Future 2 as Spike. Um, She was part of Griff Tannen's gang in future 2015 Hill Valley. And we talk a little bit about how she got that part, her work on the set, how I think she said was a a two-week shoot turned into two months, and more of that. And then Darlene was also Heather who was the narrator slash secretary slash receptionist slash whatever news anchor, whatever you want to call her role 
from Back to the Future The Ride, she plays Heather in Back to the Future The Ride. So she um, talked about that as well and why, how Michael Jackson was involved with Back to the Future The Ride and more stuff like that. A lot of really cool stories. And um, we kind of get into her career a little bit more just outside of Back to the Future and what we can expect from her going forward uh, in her acting pursuits. Really excited to talk to Darlene here momentarily. want to remind everybody to go out there and support Michael J. Fox's new book, No Time Like the Future. Make sure you do that. Michael J. Fox just announcing that he is retiring from acting. We're going to talk more about that on a future episode of Back to the Future, the podcast. So please be aware of that. If you haven't already, go over on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, rate, review this one. Leave five stars. Leave a nice review. Whoever leaves the review that makes me laugh the most using some sort of reference from Back to the Future, the movies. Maybe a quote, something something interesting. I will send a copy of my book, a signed copy of my book, along with a couple other things to you. So definitely go um, over to iTunes, and I will announce the winners next week. Leave five stars and leave a funny review. Whoever makes me laugh will get a copy of my book signed by me. But right now, let's get into my conversation with Darlene Vogel, Spike from Back to the Future 2, and Heather from Back to the Future The Ride here on Back to the Future, the podcast. And she joins me right now. Darlene is on the phone with a Zoom call. We're looking at each other. Darlene, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. How you doing, Brad? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to talk to you. You know, long, long time fan, right? Uh, I've been a long time fan, but how, how are you doing out there in beautiful California? Oh, California is beautiful right now. It's it's a little chilly, but we love it. It's blue skies, and I really can't complain. I'm in you know a great area of Santa Monica, so I'm doing pretty well. So catch How about a, you? I, you know, I'm good. We're, you know, Texas, it's hot. You know, for 50 weeks a year, so oh, yeah. <laughs> we have two weeks of, of a little cold, so we'll be fine. But um, but but walk me through what's been what's been going on in your world as of late. Let's see. Um, well, starting with the pandemic, of course, you know, we we're shut down for a few months and now just starting to get back into auditioning, which is just a whole other realm because you don't go into the room anymore. You have to set up a tape and then you could hopefully find a friend to um, help you tape or um, and then you have to, you know, download it and we transfer it. And then you could spend like hours on this and you don't even know if the casting director will even look at it. So we're in that whole realm right now of auditioning. Um, and, you know, with there's a lot of uh, productions that keep getting shut down because of COVID tests and things like that. I have a friend who's doing a movie right now and producing it. And he's just like, they're spending a fortune just in COVID tests. I can only and, imagine. Yeah. And it's just constantly shutting down for crew or cast or this or that. So, you know, we're all in it together. So what else can you, you know, just have to make the best of it, you know? Uh, absolutely. I just, you know, for me, I'm such a person who I need to, I need to vibe with what's going on in the room. Right. So I, I can only yeah. imagine trying to do an audition where you can't feel the room and kind of tailor your, uh, tailor your portrayal, you know, based off the feedback you're getting. Yeah, exactly. Cause they really only watch like the first three seconds and they know by then if, okay, do we want her? No, move on. They, you know, they might not even watch the rest of it, but, um, listen, I've been doing this for 32, three, four years. I don't even know. And, <laughs> 
And, you know, and also I'm in a weird age range right now because I am in my fifties and, um, usually I play the mom of like, you know, of a daughter that's in trouble or something. And now, you know, the age range for that has gone way down and, you know, it's just another, it's just, I have to get older. I have to be like in my, you know, sixties and seventies and, and, and look older and, you know, to get different roles, but you know, I have kids, I have dogs, I have a lot going on. So, um, it keeps me pretty busy. I'm sure that it does. Well, you know, I've, I've been perusing your IMDB and, and, you know, obviously we're going to talk about your, your work in back to the future, uh, both part two and the ride, which I want to talk extensively about, but, um, you were on boy meets world, which I actually think for my generation, one of the greatest shows of all time, right? That for when I was a kid, one of the best shows of all time. I had uh, I had Mr. Feeney on the show uh, a couple months ago, who was who was great. Talk to me about your experience on Boy Meets World. Oh my God, that was so fun! I don't how many episodes did I, I do? Think you did I think four. Four, yeah, and um, everyone was so great. I love the kids on the show. I mean, they were kids to me, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, this because Ben and Fred Savage were always there, and um. And they were, they all had this great camaraderie. They were like family. And that was the first time I ever knew they taught me this, that you can chew Trident gum with the wrapper on and it <laughs> dissolves in your mouth. I thought that was like one of my biggest memories of shooting Boy Meets World was chewing Trident gum with the wrapper on. And um, so that, but everyone's so great and, you know, um, such talented kids and just adorable. I mean, you know, it's always fun doing sitcom work because it's so quick and you have a live audience, you get the feedback, you get the laughs, you know? Um, so it was really fun. I loved it. And on a normal sitcom, you know, how many days are you there? Cause they try to do it throughout the week, right? So you have the table yeah. read, maybe a rehearsal and then a shoot night. Is that all you're doing? Yeah. It's like five days or something like you, and, and normally the script that you started with changes drastically from Monday to Thursday. So you're like, wait, I loved that line, but then they cut it because it didn't work or this or that. So yeah, you just rehearse. It's a lot of waiting around a lot. And all, especially if you're a guest star, you're only in a couple scenes. So you're just sitting there waiting for your scene to come up. So you're always at the craft service table eating. And so <laughs> that was my favorite part. Anytime I could eat like on set, that's like my favorite part. Because uh, I hate cooking at home. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get a free meal somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the, you know, the candy and everything. I'm such a candy girl. So, um, but yeah, but then also, you know, just shoot the breeze with the crew and things like that. But you wait around, you walk around Warner Brothers, you walk around, you know, sound stages and stuff and, and uh, wait to go on. And then when they bring in the live audience, you know, you do a whole run through for the producers. And then that night you do like five hours uh-oh. It's all good. Uh, sorry, someone was calling and I have it on Do Not Disturb. I don't know why that went through. Um, so, yeah, so, um, you know, they do the warm-up. But, you know, it can take like five hours to shoot a 30-minute, 24-minute show. Yeah, and, and as a guest star, would you ever – because would you ever try to – I don't know, you see the script and you think, hey, this it would be cool if I kind of approach it this way and you try to maybe improv on set or are they pretty strict of I need you to follow to the letter? You kind of have to – especially if you're a guest star, you kind of have to follow through. There's certain shows where you, you have to ask, can I change a little thing? Can I do this? Can I do that? Or you ask permission. And there's 
I mean, there are some shows, especially nighttime drama shows that you have to say it word for word. You have to ask for everything, you know, especially if you're a guest, um, you know, which is, you know, difficult. But, um, you know, because you kind of want to like put your little thing in there, too. But sometimes they're just very strict. So how did how did it all begin for Darlene? Wait, where did you start off? Did did you start off always knowing that you wanted to go into acting, or or where did no. the desire start? No, I mean, what was funny is, um, you know, when I was like ten or eleven, I'd be in the bathroom and like take a bottle of shampoo and conditioner or something like that, read the back, and pretend I was doing commercials in the mirror, you know, because I I don't, I mean, who does that, right? But I was never in you know theater at school. I was never doing any of that, and I actually did a beauty pageant when I was in high school and um, I actually won it. It was in New Jersey at the time. And that got me a scholarship to an acting school in New York. And I just, why did I do it? I can't even remember why I did it. Um, I can't remember why I, I, I went on the beauty pageant anyway, but I got a scholarship to an acting school because I took a gap year after high school before I went to college. And in that gap year I worked and then I, I went to New York three times a week to acting class and I just had a ball. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no clue, but I just had so much fun. And then um, when I went to New York city, I was going to fashion Institute of technology FIT in New York for marketing and cosmetics and fragrances. That's what I was going to do. And then I ran out of money. I couldn't finish college. Um, and so one of the guys on my floor was like, Hey, you want to model? I know an agent. And I was like, sure, I'll do anything. I was spraying perfume on people at Saks and on the weekends. And yeah. And then, um, got with a modeling agent, started doing showroom, you know, modeling, then print work and, and then just started auditioning. You know, my eight, my model agents would send me out on stuff. So one of my, first things on a set was for bright lights big city and i played Kiefer sutherland's day inga i was had a side i was there for to be an extra and um and then uh, they upgraded me to silent bit so i made like 140 dollars instead of 99 dollars. and uh so yeah it was with michael and and Kiefer, but you know they didn't really talk to us because we were the little people then <laughs> so yeah and i just it just you know a manager julia roberts manager saw me on a crystal light commercial and signed me and that's started me on my i still didn't know what i was doing I had no clue i mean i just kind of rolled with it did you ever have a moment like i always look for that eureka moment you know, where people get, you know, when people will give you advice, give you advice, give you advice, and then it doesn't make any sense to you until that one day you're like, oh, that's what they were saying. Did you have a eureka moment ever on set where you started to feel like you were getting it? No. <laughs> no. No. I mean, every time that you, you know, I have to say, um, yeah, when I first did my first sitcom, like Charles in Charge, I did, and I, and that's where I met one of my best friends on it because we both were the guest stars. You know, we just, you just listen. I mean, I did, you, this is stuff that you don't learn in acting school and I took acting school, but, you know, I think sitcoms are a great place to learn, you know, because, you know, they tell you where to hit your mark and this and this and that. But I remember this one director wanted me so bad for this pilot and I was so green, me and greening. I didn't know what yeah. I was doing, but he loved me. He kept bringing me in and in and in. He goes, I know you can do this. And I'm just like, but as you work, you know, you just, you just learn more and more the technical stuff, but acting is all about listening, reacting, 
saying your line, hitting your mark. I mean, you have to be able to delve into a character and I don't know how I do it. I mean, there's like some things I know I can't do. I'm not capable of, but, um, but yeah, I mean, every, every single set was definitely a learning, learning curve, every single one. So when you're, you're doing these sets, your, your agents are sending you out on auditions. You know, I'm sure some you're knocking out of the park, some, you know, you wanted, but maybe it didn't work out. How, how do you end up getting into feature work? And, and when we're talking about that, it's really, you, you are spiking back to the future too, um, which at the time in 89, the biggest sequel maybe ever, you know, uh, at the time, because 1985. I know, we didn't know. We yeah. didn't know that's what it was. You know, when we were shooting, it was like, wow, this is this is like going to be really big, you know? And and I was, that was my first movie. And I had think, I think I'd only done Charles in Charge and a ton of commercials. I mean, I was like a commercial queen. I mean, I did so many commercials. Um, I did a little bit in The Equalizer, and, um, yeah, I mean, I walked into my agent's office and they were like, Hey, Darlene, how young can you play? And I'm like, I don't know. So he goes, well, go on this audition. And that was for back to the future. And so I, I walked in and, and just had a meeting with the casting director and we bullshitted and stuff. And she's, she was like asking me stuff on my resume, which were lies. Like my, my, my theater experience, I just wrote down things that were I had no experience. How are you supposed to have a resume when you have no experience? Right. I, mean, I was, I started acting really old, you know? I mean, I wasn't 18 when I started acting. I started in my twenties cause I did the modeling mm -hmm. thing in the commercials first. So for me, I was already old starting, um, in my twenties, you know, 20, I guess I was 24, 25. Um, so, uh, yes, I walked in and then didn't hear anything and, then came back like a month later and then met Ricky and Jason and we just had to improv in the room. And, and then we sat around another month and then they said, Oh, you got it. It'll be a two week job. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. Ended up being two months. Yeah. I, I want to ask about that because obviously you're also involved in, in a lot of elaborate scenes that were shot um, uh, during that time that you were on set, but were you aware of back to the future prior I mean, obviously you knew the movie, but did you see it? Were you a fan? Did you know Michael remember. J. Fox? I, I honestly do not remember if I saw it. I, I, I really don't. I mean, I don't remember like the enormity of the movie. I just don't remember all. I just, I, I have to ask Ricky because Ricky's got a better memory than me. But I have to say, did we know that we were on like this blockbuster movie when we were shooting it? I mean, I mean, because I don't know if did Back to the Future already come out when we shot it? I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So yeah, I mean, came out the sequel came out what four years later from the first film. So um, it, it was definitely. Oh, a so then I guess I must have seen it. Yeah. Perhaps. Maybe. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. It's you know so long ago. I mean, you know, it's funny when you shoot all this stuff. I mean, even the series Pacific Blue that I was on for mm -hmm. five years, I shot eighty-eight episodes on there, and I, I just recently watched it again, and I'm like, I don't remember shooting half this stuff. <laughs> It's, it's crazy, you know, and, and sometimes I'll say, like, oh, there's so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, right. I did Northern Exposure with him. I forgot. I worked with that guy. You know, you just, I've worked so much on so many different things that you kind of forget after a while, you know, what you've done. It's kind of odd. So when you got the, your, your sides for, for your character in Back to the Future 2, um, do you remember what the description was of this character and what you were supposed to oh, be? Oh, yeah, it's just. 
Yeah, Spike, tough. Well, I mean, I got the whole um, realm of the character when I went for a fitting and Joanna Johnston was like fitting me in this whole outfit. And I was like, yeah, this is <laughs> awesome. I love the outfit. And we were like, oh, let's do this. And we were kind of like talking about it together. And she was like, oh, we want to do this and do this. And then my eye um, naturally is half brown and half blue, one of my eyes. So they got the um, idea for my eye to put a different color contact in my eye for Spike. And then I had to go get fitted for that, but it didn't have a little hole in the middle. So I, when they put it in my eye, I just saw red in that eye. Everything was red in that eye. So you couldn't see at all? Could you see through Not it? in that eye. I, wow. You could see through it, but it was like a red filter was over my eye. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. And then I had to get my hair bleached. I, you know, they bleached the front bangs of my hair. And um, and then we had to, you know, go for practice on the hoverboards, you know, with the stump people and stuff. So there was a lot of prep for it. So it was, it was really fun. I mean, still didn't know, like, really what this is all about. My last two-week job, cool. But I don't remember even telling my friends, I'm in Back to the Future. I mean, you know, too, you know, the sequel. I didn't, I don't remember even telling them that. That's crazy to me. So, okay, you said two weeks, it turned into two months, but you mentioned the hoverboards too. How much training did you have to do on those hoverboards? Do you remember? And was it uncomfortable? Because you hadn't done anything, I'm assuming, to that level um, no. where you're hanging from wires or what have you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've never even been on a skateboard. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so, well, the stunt people took us way out in the, you know, desert area and they had it all set up and you know, it was pretty cool. I mean, they just put us on wires and it was a new thing for them too. So they really had to work out the kinks. And, um, and I think we only did it a couple times. We didn't really do it that much, but you know, we had to have one wire in front of us, one wire behind us. It's all a, like a balancing act. And, um, you know, nothing was going to happen to us, you know, as we were flying around because we were harnessed in, so we couldn't fall off. And we put our feet in the shoes were nailed to the um to the skateboards so to the boards so hoverboards i should say so yeah it wasn't like you know we were gonna fall out fall off of them so why did it why was a two-week job why did it turn into two months well you know they had that special split uh camera you know mm -hmm. so it could show everybody at a different age and stuff so i i thought it was called the tundra camera they named it something else and in, in another interview that i saw but um, the lighting would had to be the lighting took for hours because of this special split vision. And um, so sometimes we'd be sitting there for like five hours waiting for them to just light the scene. So the cafe alone took one month and then the hoverboard scene took a month. Yeah. Just to light so it and get the shot ready? Light it and get the shots done and all the angles and all the split vision and Michael this age and Biff that age. And, you know, it's a lot of work. You know, that was a lot. And it was new to them. They didn't know, you know, it was a new technique they were doing. So it was pretty cool. But there was a, it was a lot of sitting around for Ricky and Jason and I. So we got to know each other very well. And Ricky and I are very close. We're still very close. So it's great. Yeah, now Jason's out there, you know, being the villain in Mulan and all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. pretty cool. I, know. I hadn't seen Jason since the premiere, um, since the reunion, uh, the 30th, no, 25th reunion. I think that's where I saw him. Yeah, yeah, because I hadn't seen him in so long. Because he had, was living in Hawaii, then he was living in Singapore, so now he's back, yeah. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So was it was it kind of like Groundhog's Day having to go to the set for a month in the cafe eighties? And and were you doing the scene multiple times? Or you was it waiting on lighting and stuff? Yeah, we did we did the scene a few times. You know, um, the the famous my famous one line: "What's wrong with Fly? You got no throat." <laughs> I remember the first time I did that, and I don't know if you've heard me say this before, but um, uh, you know, I was doing my thing, and then I grabbed Michael by the groin and he had a big ketchup bottle in his pants <laughs> and i and i didn't know what to do i was like do i break character or not because it's my first gig you know i don't want to like mess up you know but um it was funny so um we were all laughing and i was like oh yeah you wish michael <laughs> <laughs> and every he was laughing but um he just wanted to break the ice that's how kind he is he's just the kindest person on the planet and um so yeah, and then we did it. Yeah, we did it a few times, and uh, you know, then we had to do the choreography of all of us going down. It you know when he was swinging the bat, we all go down, and then we all fall on each other, and you know, then we come in on that car. So yeah, I mean, we would work sometimes, like maybe a few hours a day, but most of the time we were sitting around. So, so talk to me about working though with Tom Wilson, you know, who plays Biff and Griff in those scenes, and I think that. He is just a phenomenal actor. His nuances between the characters, I just think that he did a great job. What was your experience like working with him? He did a great job. Oh, he was amazing. I mean, Tom was just very giving and very fun. And yeah, you're right. He is very, you know, he's a comedian. So he was very funny. And um, just, I, you know, we just all had such a great experience because we knew that at, at some point that, you know, this is going to be huge and, and it's, we're making history here you know and he just you know i don't know i mean he was such a professional he had so many scenes so i didn't get to hang out with him as much until like the hoverboard stuff too but i remember us all singing songs when we're just waiting there and and just i don't know and just hanging out i used to hang out with all the extras and talk to them and just talk to the crew and yeah it was it was just fun and then do you remember any like specific I don't know, direction or anything from Robert Zemeckis that stuck with you going on. Every, every time I talk to somebody, and I know you, you had a, uh, a limited uh, speaking role, right? But yeah. th- were, were you given anything by him or did you observe anything that he did that you just thought, oh, wow, this is why this guy is where he is? Um, He didn't really give us that much direction as far as I remember. I just always remember him cocking his head like this. You know, he always cocked his head with a smile and he again was the nicest guy on the planet. I mean, just so so nice, so calm, never yelled. I mean, just he was just, you know, he always was laughing, just having a good time. Um I just think his professionalism is, you know, that's where that's why he does so well and is he's got such a creative mind. I mean, but look at, you know, look at the script he's working with that Bob Gale came up with. I mean, that's brilliant. I mean, I just don't, I could never be a director. I mean, I just don't have that vision, you know, reading a script going, wow, you know, yeah, I could see that. I mean, there's just so many special effects in this movie. I just don't know how they pulled it all off. Yeah, but they did. They did pull it off. Movie comes out, you know, massive success automatically. What did you, did? what was your, um, 
I don't know what what did you feel after the movie came out? Did you feel like wow, I, I was really a part of something? And did you think maybe okay, this I'm going to do all of these movies now? What did you, what were you thinking when the movie came out? Well, I mean, the third one was back to back with Ricky. Right. I mean, he's the only one that did the back to the back movie. But um, uh, no, I mean, I just went on. I went on to doing TV shows and TV pilots and ski school. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so funny because, you know, here I work on this big blockbuster movie. And what was really funny is that I would go, I remember going to the premiere and a lot of people didn't recognize me. So they're like, I'm like, it's Spike, you know, because my hair was different and I, I had the spike. You know, a lot of people didn't see me without my costume because as soon as we got to set, we got into costume. So they never really saw me natural. Um, so they were like, Spike, that's you? And I'm like, yeah, it's me. Because at the premiere, they just didn't know. And um, so, yeah, I mean, after that, yeah, was the next movie was Ski School. It's like a low budget, you know, thing shot in Canada. And I'm like, we were treated like queens on Back to the Future with the craftsmen of <laughs> steak and lobster and amazing food. And Ski School's like pasta and plastic forks. <laughs> <laughs> Reality check, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow. You know, it was kind of like me going from Pacific Blue with my own trailer to a soap opera where you're sharing a dressing room and there's no craft service. I'm like, where's the bottled water? Where's where's craft service? You know, <laughs> I mean, I've done everything as far as acting. I mean, it's just with the commercials and extra and silent bit and guest stars and B movies and blockbuster movie. And, you know, it's just it's a great, great learning you know, experience. I'm glad, like, I don't know how people, when they go from here to here right away, they must get like a big head. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, cause I have worked with a lot of actors that demand so much and you, I'm just like, geez. I mean, I was never like that. I was always just thankful to have a job, you know, I mean, always. And when you work with people that are just so demanding and, you know, don't show up on time or, you know, make people wait or, you know, complain about everything or demand facials and things. And I'm just like, oh, that's what gives actors a bad name when you have those kind of divas. Right, right. Well, you know, they're they're in every industry, but maybe a, a little bit more prominent yeah, in, in, in Hollywood at times. Um, but how did how did the ride come about? Because for the longest oh. time, I had no idea that you were the same, you know, that you were both. Right. I had yeah. no idea. Cause like you said, you look so different as Spike than you do. Yeah. You look like yourself in the back to the future, the ride film. So how did all that come about? Joanna Johnston, the wardrobe, um, a lady from back to the future. She has suggested me for the role. So she says, why don't you just use Darlene? And they're like, Oh, okay, cool. So, um, yeah, she fitted me, outfitted me for that too, to be a futuristic, like, you know, uh, airline stewardess, journalist, whatever I was, uh, commentator. <laughs> yeah. And it was funny because, you know, Christopher Lloyd had just shot his stuff right before mine. And then the teleprompter broke for me and I had pages of copy. And I'm just like, oh my God, I didn't memorize all this stuff because I knew it was teleprompter. So I just had it right next to me. And since I was like a journalist type of thing or host, you know, I had it right in front of me. So I would be like, and they just shoot it in little clips. So that was fun. I remember going to the premiere of the ride and Michael Jackson was there. And and that was pretty cool to go on that. And really? 
but but people still didn't recognize me. I mean, my people that knew me recognized me, but I remember being on the ride and being in the elevator and I was coming up on the screen and and people didn't realize I was the same person like on the screen. <laughs> so Michael Jackson was at the uh, the debut of the ride? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, at Universal. Yeah. What was it like to be in his presence? Oh, well, they skirt him away. Well, I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it must have been still pretty cool. That's the only person I remember. I I got to bring two guests, but, you know, I wasn't considered, you know, top-notch for the ride. What did you think (laughs) of the ride, though, itself? Oh, I thought it was a blast. I thought it was a shame that they took it down. I mean, I feel like Back to the Future, I mean, I for the first 25 years, I never did any interviews for Back to the Future. None. Really? It's not until the last five years that all of a sudden we're getting all these interviews and, and signings. And I went to France last year and, and, you know, they want us to go all over the place for these conventions and stuff. And I'm like, and every, even my friends are going, what is up with back to the future? I mean, it was 30 years ago. I said, it is, I don't know. I said, the greatest thing about it, that the fans are getting younger and younger and younger. So you can tell that the, it's still relevant. I mean, the movie is still relevant people love this movie and and you could tell in the fans they're always like oh my god you know i've been you know i saw you when i was just a little kid and you made my life and all this stuff and i'm like oh thank you you know it's just such a great feeling did you um um since you know the movies obviously i think that you're right they're popular when they came out they're even more popular today back to the future is more popular now than it ever has been perhaps um and you mentioned that you have kids. Do your did you show the movies to your kids at a, or your, the Back to the Future two at a specific time? Are they interested? Or they is that just mom? That's just mom they doing mom not stuff. Interested at all? Really? I mean, they are more excited when a commercial comes on during like the Today Show. They're like, or if it just automatically comes on and they just happen to be watching TV and like say, I remember once, um, you know, Full House came on and they're like, Mom. You're, here you are. And, you know, a lot of my friends didn't even know I was on Full House or, or stuff like that. And it's just like, oh, my God, because they wouldn't recognize me from Back to the Future, like friends. But um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they've seen it, but they don't think they don't think it's a big deal at That's all. It's crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Yeah, they really don't. I mean, they're like, eh, whatever. Something mom did a long time ago. I don't know why people are still talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. They roll their eyes. And I jokingly say to my daughter, I said, well, you know, I have to do another interview today, you know, because I am a celebrity. And she's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. I'm like, well, not really. But, you know, to some people I am. Right. Well, to me, to me, you are. And speaking of the future, Darlene, what does the future hold for you? Do you have any anything more that you want to accomplish? You said you've done uh, the, the silent bits to the extras, to the sitcoms, to the guest stars, to the blockbusters. Anything else on the agenda that you would like to accomplish? Uh, well, now that, you know, my kids are older, I'm able to audition for, you know, and hopefully get another, I would love to be on another series, you know, maybe a little bit down the road. Um, you know, that's, it's just so much fun. And I love working. I don't like, you know, when you're a guest star or whatever, you're just sitting around a lot and you're kind of treated like a glorified extra. So I love being more like a series regular because, um, you just get, you know, the respect level you get and just the work and, and it's just, it's, 
fun for me, you know? Um, but I don't want to be on the top of the call sheet because then you're working all the time. I'd rather be on the lower end. So like, I'm like maybe recurring. Cause like when I was on Pacific blue, I was there at, you know, five 30 in the morning till sometimes midnight. And it's a long, you know, you never see anybody. So I couldn't do that, you know? But if it was only a couple of days a week, I would mind it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds ideal, doesn't it? It sounds ideal. There's some shows, yeah. There's some shows that I watch that I'm like, oh my God, I'd love to be on that show. I'd love to be on that show. But um, but yeah. Yeah. But we you know, shall we'll see. see. You don't know. That's the that's the beauty about this business. You have no idea. I mean, like I always say, Michael J. Fox was selling his last piece of furniture when he got family ties. And so that's the beauty of this business. You could like say, I'm done. I quit. It's over. And then all of a sudden an audition comes up and you get it. And it just, you know, you, you just, you know, get back on again. It changes everything. You never know what the future will hold, but we appreciate you talking with us today about back to the future and everything that you've done. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Would you like to, uh, to let the people know where they can find you and follow you? Yeah, I have an Instagram page, Darlene Vogel. I haven't done a web page yet. Um, I just haven't gotten around to it. I think I'm too old for all that stuff. But <laughs> yeah, I'm on Instagram and I usually post a lot of Back to the Future stuff on there. So you can just follow me on Darlene Vogel. I don't really go on Twitter that much. So, I, you know, it's a little bit too much for me. So Instagram is pretty much my favorite. Instagram's a place. Well, Darlene, we appreciate you joining but us I today. I want to say thank you to all the fans for following us. You know, it, it's just really a joy to... Um, to make everybody happy. Absolutely. And you will continue that we just celebrated the 35th anniversary and the 30th anniversary, I think, of Back to the Future 2 last year. And I'm sure there'll be many, many more down the road. Oh, hey there? Yes. There you are. We froze. Oh, no. Okay. Well, I was just saying, you know, I really appreciate, I really appreciate you joining us today. And I'm sure that we'll uh, be celebrating Back to the Future for the decades to come. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> and when I'm 90 years old, I'll be, you know, walking around my hoverboard. <laughs> <laughs> we, we would be so lucky. Darlene, thank you again. Thanks, Brad. That was the great Darlene Vogel. Really enjoyed talking to Darlene this week on Back to the Future, the podcast. Next week, we got more surprises planned for you. Just a quick reminder, make sure you go subscribe on Apple Podcasts and give us that five-star review. Funniest review will get a copy of my book, Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told, signed and sent to you, free 99. So go do that now. I would do it for you. Until next week which, by the way, have something awesome planned. I've got, again, maybe a half dozen episodes already in the bank, so we got some really cool ones coming up. Next week, we're going to do something that we've never done on Back to the Future, the podcast, so I'm excited about that. But until then, my name is Brad Gilmore. I'm your friend in time, and I will see you in the future.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.